change equals death to the unconscious. And so you have to understand that and then be able to deal with that. And it's totally doable. It's just, if you don't understand that, then you're just going to be stuck in whoever and whatever you are. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Hello, fellow freedom fighters. Wherever you are in the world today, whatever time it is, wherever you are right now, welcome to the Freedom Mindset Radio podcast. I am so grateful and thankful you are here, and I wish you nothing but freedom and abundance. And guess what? You're going to be thankful and grateful you joined us today because we have an incredible guest. I know so many of you know this name, Tucker Max. He is the co-founder of Scribe Media, a company that helps you write, publish, and market your book. And yes, they help me publish and market my book. They're an awesome company. Tucker has written four New York Times bestsellers, three that hit number one, which have sold over four and a half million copies worldwide. He's actually the only, only the fourth writer, along with Malcolm Gladwell, Brene Brown, and Michael Lewis, talk about some distinguished company, to have three books on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list at one time. And he was nominated to the Time Magazine 100 Most Influential List in 2009. Without further ado, here is my very entertaining, my very insightful interview with Tucker Max. All right, Tucker Max, thank you so much for coming on the Freedom Club podcast today. Thanks for having me, Kurt. So Tucker, before we get into it, because sometimes I forget to ask this question after I tell the people on my podcast. It's the only set question I ever ask. And then I, I'm done recording. I'm like, I didn't even ask the question. So we're going to ask it up front. The one question I try to ask every guest is, what does the word freedom mean to you? And every guest gives a different answer. I can find common themes through all the answer, but I ask you, what does the word freedom mean to you? So I probably would have given a very different answer a few years ago. Um, probably one that's like a lot more common that you would hear. But I've been doing a lot of sort of personal, um, emotional, developmental type work, therapeutic work. And I would say now the definition I would give for freedom is I've surrendered all my baggage and my ego and all my issues. And I'm just existing in sort of like, it sounds like either Zen or woo or BS or however you want to frame it. But it really is like... um, I would define it as surrendering all my attachments to things that don't matter Hmm. um, or even to things that do and just being who and what I am. um, That's the ultimate freedom. You know, that's when you're not worried about you've let go of pride. You've let go of all those sorts of things. And I'm not saying I'm fully there, but the the fleeting moments where I get even close um, are pretty amazing. And yeah, I think that's probably where I am with freedom right now. Do you, uh, do you practice or are you into stoicism much? No, this is the opposite of stoicism. Okay. No, like absolutely not. So there's a reason stoicism is a dead philosophy. There's a reason that, that, that no one does it except for people that are trying. It's like, it's not an accident that it came from young boys in tech running from their emotions. Hmm. Right. And I say this, like some of the main stoicism proponents are good friends of mine. Like I talk about this with them. Right. Um, But stoicism is ultimately a a philosophy that was developed by slaves to deal with emotions that they could not 
or would not get away from situations in life that they literally could not avoid. And it is about denying emotion, which is at its core, the denial of life. It is death. Right. Um, have you ever, have you ever discussed this with your fellow Texan author, the, the current king of stoicism, Ryan holiday. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan was my first assistant, right? I, I knew you guys were friends, but I, did, I wasn't sure if you were still yeah, friends. I mean, and I know you, I know you had some scheming together in the day, right? <laughs> yeah. So he was my first assistant. Yeah, of course. I talked about this with him. Like, I, like when, when he was writing obstacle is the way, like I was, uh, he gave it to me to read. And I, like, I had this whole critique. I'm like, dude, you've got it entirely wrong. And, um, you know, it's a well-written book. The stories are great, but the idea behind it, I just totally don't think is right. And like, he obviously he disagreed, which is fine. But um, no, I, like, uh, it's not a bad philosophy. There's plenty of ideas in stoicism that overlap with things like Buddhism that are really useful. But as a core philosophy, it is the denial of emotion. That doesn't work. Humans are uh, emotion embodied. And if you are not um, understanding and feeling your emotion, then you, you can't, you're not, you're not fully human. You're not fully yourself. So. so when a lot of people think Tucker Max, a lot of them might think of your early, your books. I hope they serve beer in hell, the movies and, and kind of crazy Tucker going out, going out, going out. Right. Now you talking about this, obviously your entrepreneurial journey, Scribe, they might be a little surprised. Like, wow, he's made a big change in his life. Is it a big change? Is it an awakening? And kind of what fueled that the, the, the new journey you're on? I mean, yeah, like it, in certain ways, it's a profound fundamental shift. In other ways, it's not that, it's a, not that big of a change. But yeah, I mean, I'm, okay, so just on a basic level, <clears throat> I'm 44 now. Um, I was 33 when my movie came out. Right now, I have a wife. I have three kids. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I used to wake up at whatever, 10, 11, and go to bed at, you know, one or two. My life is totally inverted. I go to bed now at really nine o'clock. 10 o'clock is late for me. And I'm up at six, 6.30 with my kids. You know, my, my kids are five, three, and six months, right? Wow. And so right, I'm right in the thick of having young kids. And then like, um, I mean, dude, I spend my time thinking about my emotions, feeling my emotions, feeling my unfelt feelings. Right. And like, so in that regard, I'm about as opposite as possible from who I used to be. Um, but the things that are the same that haven't changed, like, um, I spoke my truth when I was 29 and I'm speaking my truth at 44. It's just different, different truth, different things that I'm focused on, but I'm still standing up doing that. And now the big difference too, I guess with that though, is I used to be focused on my truth only. Now I help other people speak theirs as well. You know, instead of just me doing mine, that's, I started a company that helps people write, publish and market their books. And, and we focus very deeply on, you know, what are you saying? Is this what you actually want to say? Is it, you know, like we, we care, I think we kind of stand alone among self-publishing services companies and we actually care about the quality of the book, that it matters. And we tell people, don't write a book if it's bad, like, like a bad book hurts you. Um, 
And so, no, seriously, because it's true. You write a book that's not good, you look bad, as you should, right? Because why would you waste someone's time with a bad book? Um, But uh, so some things have changed about as much as you could change, I think, and others, it's still the same things, Yeah. You, you, you bring up speaking your truth, you speaking your truth, helping others speak their truth. And I, I do some branding programs in which I diff, I'm different than some branding strategists out there who use the word authenticity, but they don't really mean it or they don't know what it means or it means being authentically someone else. You know, you can tell those folks, they get on online, you know, they rent the Lamborghini, right? It's not theirs. And then behind the scenes, they're calling coaches saying, I'm losing money. Can you help me? Or you could tell they just watched like a Gary Vee or a Grant Cardone video and they're forcibly dropping F-bombs. You could tell it's not them. And I talk a lot about speaking, knowing your truth. First, you got to know what it is, living it, and then speaking it. All three, not just, you know, doing that. Do you find that that is, you know, you work with a lot of folks who are high performing. They want to be influencers or they are influencers. They're marketing themselves that they need help because I've, you know, I published through scribe and we're going to, we're going to talk more about scribe as I worked with your team. They were very, some of them were like, Oh wow, you're able to give quick, quick decisions and quick, you know, and I know from owning an agency, there are some people who probably have no idea who they are and yet they're trying to write a book and trying to build a brand. How often do you see that? And how often does it get in the way of, trying to help them. I mean, your vision, which I love, the company vision is unlocking the world's wisdom. How often does that get in the way of them being able to do that and be successful? A lot, all the time. Yeah. Um, it's not even that deep down everyone knows who they are. Whether they're willing to accept that is a different question. Um, but I think most people are so afraid of being who they are because they've been told um, uh, for most of their life that who they are is not okay, or they have to be like everyone else. So they're whatever. Like I see, I run, you know, we have multiple different programs. One of our programs is uh, called guided author, where you write the book yourself, but we kind of help you do, uh, you know, use our structure along the way. And it starts with a two day workshop in Austin. I lead the, that workshop every month. We have one every single month and it's usually about 15 or 20 authors. And so, and all of them, people just like you, high performers who've done stuff in their lives, right? Built businesses, uh, accomplished things. We have Olympic medalists come through, Navy SEALs, all that kind of stuff. And um, Did David Goggins go through the guided author program? No, no, no. He went through the interview program. <laughs> okay, Goggins, okay. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's a great speaker and a great thinker. He's not a great writer. Uh, and so he was perfect for the interview program. But um it's remarkable to me how afraid most people are. Um, and, and, and like, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way because in other areas of my life, I'm sure I'm, I have just so much fear. I know I do, but like, it's not that they're afraid of a book. Uh, it's that they're afraid. Oh my God. What if I look bad? Oh my God. What if I don't know what I'm talking about? Oh my God. What if people are upset? What if people criticize me? What if, they're so racked with fear. And so it's so funny, man, like the informational part of the workshop, I could cover in two, maybe three hours. It's dead ass simple. And it's all in our book. It's on our site for free. All the videos are right. Like the information is not, I mean, we have the amazing information, but it's not that complicated. It's 
fairly simple. The hard part, the most of the workshop is helping people work through their emotions. Like we have like, so, and we don't tell people this because if you tell them that coming in, if you tell them that coming in, then it's like, um, it's a huge pain, right? Because then they get in their own head. So I kind of have to like finagle it so that like they can't, they don't get too much in their head. And then by the end of the workshop, they realize, oh my God, this was an incredible therapeutic process, right? But they don't, they don't, if you tell them that they get too, they get too wrapped up in it, right? And they don't let themselves feel and they don't let themselves understand the importance of the book, not just to them, but to their audience. And it's, it's a big thing. We walk them through and we kind of culminate the workshop on, uh, have them tell a story. Who's someone that's suffering right now because they don't know what's in your book. Hmm. And once they actually connect with that and they realize, oh my God, this book actually matters, not just to me and my business and all that stuff, but it matters to a person. Like I have knowledge that's really important to somebody. Uh, then it's like they're able to drop all that fear and they're able to, well, they're able to maybe not drop it, but they're able to put it in perspective and realize, okay, I am afraid. There are you know risks, et cetera. But this person, usually it's someone who, who used to be, who is where they used to be. Not always though. Um, they realize this person's more important. I've got to do this for them. And then that's when they really kind of step into their power and own their authenticity and, and go forward and write the book they, that they have in them. Usually not everyone, you know, cause people leave the workshop, they, they got that workshop high and they go back to the real world and then Sometimes they, don't, they, they lose connection with that, but most, we've got a pretty good process of keeping them on track. But the whole point is that's how we get them to authenticity is we help them forget about themselves and think about who they're serving. Because you can't be yourself if you're thinking about being yourself. You can only be yourself if you're focused on someone else and then who you are just comes out. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, gosh, that goes back to like Dale Carnegie, right? Uh, you know, when friend, friends and influence people and, and stop talking about yourself, think about the people you're going to serve. And, you know, customers want to know, clients want to know what's in it for me. But also, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I have a number of different programs, branding programs. These pro- The question I always start, no matter what the program is, whether it's a sense of self-discovery, building your business, building a brand, is who are you? And, you know, people will raise their hand and be like, well, my name's Jim. I'm a VP of sales. I'm like, no, no, no. When you came out of the womb, did you have a name tag? I've had people pay thousands of dollars. And when I say, yeah, go back, let's come back next week and tell me, who are you? They disappear. They never come back. Yeah. Oh, because they're afraid. A hundred percent. And yeah. Because, because who they are is not who they show up in the world as, and they're afraid to confront that reality. Oh, dude, 100%. We see that all the time. Do you have people pay you and just not go through the problem? I'm sure you do, right? Or something. Dude, Kurt, Kurt, it gets way better. So we, we've worked with about, like, I think we're coming up on our 1500th author that we've worked with. Um, we'll probably, I think we're going to sign them this month or next month. But um, we've had, we have people right now whose books are done, finished, edited, done, the cover's done. They just have to proverbially press publish, like tell us, okay, go, yeah. right? They've, right? And they have ghosted on us for years. They're paid. Everything's paid. The book's done. <laughs> it's sitting in Dropbox waiting for them to say go. And they won't do it because they're too afraid. 
Like good books, books. I'm like, this is a good book, man. What do you, they, they like, I, I swear one author has changed his phone number. Like we're not going to, you know, hunt them down. They're paid up, you know, but like, but we'll follow up be like, Hey, like, you know, try and help them through that. And dude, I mean, some of the biggest books we've done, we did alter ego effect with Todd Herman, which is a big wall street journal bestseller. Dude, I had to, I can't tell you how many times I had to get on the phone with Todd. He'll tell you this and coach him. He's a world-class coach. I had to coach him through his fear over his book, right? Joey Coleman, who did never lose a customer again with us. Same thing. Like I, I had to, I mean, I know Joey well, but I basically had to threaten him <laughs> to get him through, right? And they're, oh my goodness. These are super high performers who are definitely afraid of showing up in the world like that. You know? It, Early on, when that would happen early on in, in, in the early days, did you ever get down on yourself when they wouldn't do it and internalize some of it at all? No. 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 So, uh, the, sort of. They're like uh, The workshop's a really good example. We've run about 15 or 20 of those. So, at this point, we've gotten pretty good at them. But at the beginning, we were, I mean, our information about how to write a book was always stellar. But how knowing how to write a book and knowing how to teach someone who's not an author, how to write a book are totally different things. So I definitely paid a lot of attention to, are they getting what I'm saying? Right. And, but that was about improving the product. I didn't get down on myself. I'm like, okay, I said it this way. They're not getting it. Then that's not working. I need to try other ways and find a way that works. Right. Cause I don't attach my identity to the way I'm saying it. Um, I just only care about them getting it. Right. And so, so in that regard, I'm always paying attention. Right. But no, I don't ever blame myself for like, Oh, you know, like I'm a failure because they're not getting it. There's uh, writing a book is not therapy, but it's close for a lot of people. And there's a great (laughs) saying that therapists have, you can't do the patient's work for them. Right. And so we can't, even if someone buys the highest tier package from us, like there's still a level at which they have to show up and do their work. And if they don't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I I talked to another, uh, another coach whose wife owns a gym and we were talking about it early in the day. I'd be like, you know, there'd be people who go through a nine week program and then just not show up to the last Thing. They were making progress. And it's like, I used to kind of say, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And he said, you know, my wife, she's got a gym and she gets upset. You know, someone who comes in, who's obviously out of shape and unhealthy and sits through an hour thing. All right, I'm going to join this gym. It's a, it's a kind of a customized gym. You know, it's not like a, it's not yeah. like a gold's 19 bucks a month or whatever. And then they don't buy. And his wife kept internalizing it. And, you know, she had to come to the realization, like, listen, once you step in the gym, I can get where you, where you want to go, but I can't wake you up in the morning. I can't drive you to the gym. I can't get you to do this stuff. And, um, uh, so it, it, it's good that I, I think there's lessons in this for anyone, not just writing a book, but if you want to do a podcast, if you want to do a video, I mean, there's people who are so deathly afraid of doing a video online that they won't do it, you know, or writing anything or putting yourself out there or living the life you want to live because aunt Margaret will say, why do you want to start that business? You spent so much money on your bachelor's degree, <laughs> you know, and it's always that those other voices. Yeah, there's, there's a great book about this. We didn't do this book, so I'm not like pitching. <laughs> I'm not speaking, speaking on our, our book. Um, it's called Change or Die. And it's about uh, people 
It's about the psychology behind people who have to make a change to stay alive and won't do it like diabetes patients or things like that. Right. People with, um, and the basic idea is that some people, their ego is so their identity is so stuck in a certain thing that they literally would rather die than have to admit that they were wrong and change into something else or let go of what they used to have. Right. Cause it's providing such an, an ego payoff that it's, they, they'll sacrifice their life for it. And some people, that's just a thing that some people are. And, and there's, you cannot get them out of that. They have to do that themselves. Interesting. Yeah. And, and if you, uh, I feel like you have to wait for them to come to you for help versus you trying to push it on them because then it's more intrinsic than extrinsic. Uh, you know, the relative who, you know, is not eating well, but they're so into their lifestyle change. And well, the doctor told me this, if you tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. But if some point they come to you and say, I'm at the end of my rope now, can you help me? (laughs) Then it works a little bit better, right? It's like weight loss is not about information. Almost none of this is about information. Now, there's some level, like if you don't know how to write a book, there's some level of information you need, but usually any change for anything is almost never about information. It's almost always about identity, motivation, emotional things like that. I mean, our, the, the way our brains are wired, our unconscious, the entire point of our, uh, of our unconscious is to, to avoid change, right? Like change equals death to the unconscious. And so you have to understand that and then be able to deal with that. Um, and it's totally doable. It's just, if you don't understand that, then you're just going to be stuck. Uh, in what, whoever and whatever you are. Hey, what's up, fellow freedom fighters? Listen, are you in operations in the C-suite and human resources? Hell, are you anyone who's interested in building a team of superheroes? Well, guess what? I got a treat for you. We launched my latest podcast. It's called Team of Superheroes. We talk about employee engagement. We talk about leadership. You know what? Instead of putting warm butts in seats and trying to engage them... Our podcast teaches you how and empowers you to empower your individual team members to unleash their unique superpowers to achieve key outcomes. They're more fulfilled, which means they're more engaged, which means they're more productive, which means they and you are more profitable. Go and check out the Team of Superheroes podcast here on iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you over there. So we, we got into Scribe and some, and, and, but, but quick description for listeners who don't know what Scribe is. I mean, like I'll use my example. I came to you. Uh, I interviewed JT on my podcast earlier this year. I was like, oh gosh, I'm working on a book. I didn't know that's what Scribe did. It used to be called Book in a Box. We can talk about how you came, the, 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 the journey there. But people come to you who want to publish a book and not just self-publish on their own because, you know, like me, I was like... There's 20 different things I could do. I don't want to do them on my own and I want someone to do them right. And you have a number of different tiers. People can speak the book and kind of ghost written. They can go through guided author or they can come to you kind of like I did with a, a near finished manuscript. And I got to say, it's one of the most finely tuned, perhaps the most finely tuned, uh, I think of an assembly line, but that doesn't do it justice, of just service oriented uh, assembly line of getting it done. Like, like you have your, you have your rep, right? The person you work with, 
I had Bailey. She was great. And it's like, hey, next week, here's where you are. Here's the calendar of where we're going to go. Next week, you have a call scheduled with so-and-so who's the artwork designer. And then we're going to talk to you about the first week. It, it became, it becomes so seamless that I, I told you offline, like I forgot I was writing a book. And you go through that process. And in the end, I mean, you did the strategy, you got it done. I have other authors and their representatives are calling me saying, how do you deal with Amazon? I'm like, listen, man, I don't know. I hired Scribe to do it, you know? And, and great book in the end. I mean, it looks pretty. It, it looks like a real book. I know some people who have self-published and I get the book and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it yeah, looks it like looks they did it on Canva or, or something. Right, and, right. Um, right. So did I do it justice? Did I do Scribe justice? And you have a book called The yeah. Scribe Method which is now available on Amazon or through your website, right? <laughs> yep. No, you did. We're, we're basically the premier self-publishing services firm, right? So we help people write, publish, and market books. So uh, if you want to, I mean, we're <clears throat> a nonfiction only, um, uh, mainly business, personal development, although we literally just launched our memoir program. It's still in beta, in a closed beta. Um, and so that's, I think, going to end up being really big because every you know, like all the stats, everyone wants to write a book. What they want to write is a memoir, you know, like very few people want to write novels or business books. That's, that, that's pretty rare. Um, but everyone wants to tell their story. And so, uh, anyway, that, that'll come out later, but, um, yeah, we specialize in people like you, serious professionals who have things to say that are valuable to other people and their book has to be highest level of professional quality. So yeah, dude, like we, we've had to, I mean, you're, you, you've owned agencies. You understand what a service business is like, dude, a book is so complex, man. And so like, we've had to become, I, man, I wish I, I almost wish I knew how hard this journey was going to be. (laughs) Writing a book is not writing a book is not that hard for me. I mean, I've done that for years. I've, you know, I know how to do it. Writing, helping people write books at mm. scale is like a different universe, dude. <laughs> it was so hard, man. If I hadn't, if JT hadn't come on to, to be CEO of the company, we, it, it, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Because like scaling a business is just a fundamentally different thing than knowing how to do a skill. I have a skill. I don't know how to scale. <laughs> and he does. And so yeah. that's why we're here. Where we can, you know, we've done 500 books in five years and we're about to, we've got another couple hundred coming out in the next few months and we'll do probably 400 next year. And we've got, you know, a thousand plus in process and blah, 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 blah. Like that's just monstrous scale for a book company. Um, and, and we're growing still, like we're still growing fast, 50, 50 to 75% a year, pretty consistently. It's, uh, and you would never know that you have that many authors because the time that's taken from, your team is the time we need, you know, and they help, they get, we're going to help you through it. We're going to get you going. And, and you've had, I mean, we mentioned David Goggins. I mean, what Mm -hmm. he was competing with Michelle Obama's book, I think for a while, right now, international superstar, right? Yeah. He he had the second biggest memoir, second bestselling memoir last year. And Michelle had the bestselling memoir of all time. So, so like any other year, Goggins has the best-selling memoir of the year. Yeah, we, we did everything for his book, writing, publishing, and marketing. Um, we just published the Nobel Prize Committee, did their first book. We published that in America. Wow. We've done, I mean, all kinds of, of big people. Cameron Harold, Shep Hyken, Gino Wickham, Whitney Tilson, like all David Bach, Robin Sharma, 
Like we've worked with all kinds of people um, like that because here's the, the reality is it used to be if you wanted high quality publishing, you had to either go traditional or that was it. Or maybe if you're lucky, find, you had to put together your, you know, I had to find a cover designer. You had to do it all on your own, right? There was a massive hole in the market for super high quality self-publishing services. We just filled the hole, did a good job. That's, that's pretty much it. What's the difference between, so David Goggins before his book, I mean, he's picked up a lot of steam since his book. Right. A lot of people hadn't heard of him before this book. Mm-hmm. What's yep. the difference between someone like that? Who's, I mean, got an incredible story. I'm, what I'm about to say right. doesn't take away in any way from his story. And it's an incredible right. story or even a Robin Sharma or some, you know, between someone like that, whose book suddenly just goes gangbusters and someone's who doesn't. And, 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 and you have authors, right? You put out only quality books. Why do some just go nuts and some don't? So if I knew the exact precise <laughs> answer to that, I would have a lot more money than I do. Right. And the company would be even more successful. Um, but I have some guesses. Uh, you know, cause I, I'm not, my books sold, you know, four and a half million copies and all that. So I, I, like I had books that did that as well, but if the books that I wrote, um, 10, 15 years ago, if they came out today, they, I don't think they do, they do well, but they wouldn't do as well. Right. So I think a huge part of it is, I don't want to call it luck, but it's the right message at the right time, which has an element of luck in it. So like, first you've got to have the right message. You've got to deliver it well. And then it's got, people have to be ready for it. It's got to be the right time. Hmm. Like Goggins book 10 years ago, I don't think would have hit. It would not have been, it would not have had the impact it had. He, he had a good fan base. He developed, so like he launched into a lot of people waiting for his book. So it wasn't got just it. like, who is this guy? But yeah, like his, he sold over a million copies, well over a million. Uh, and it's not even, it hasn't even been out a year yet. Yeah. And so it's, uh, um, he just has the right message. I think like, just for, so for him, we live in a society right now where men especially are very confused and lost and don't know who to listen to or who they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to do. Goggins for right or wrong has a very clear message about what manhood means to him and, and about a way to show up in the world. And so, and it's a powerful web message and it's embodied by his story. And it is, if you're looking for, someone to tell you what to do and how to be and how to think, especially as and not, his whole audience aren't only men, but especially for young, young men, especially that dude is, you couldn't draw up or create a better fictional character. It wouldn't be believable if it was, if he was fiction, no one would believe it. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> because the stuff he's done is insane. Um, people are like, oh, this is, you know, you made this character to, uh, to, too ridiculous no one will believe this um and so like he's just right right message right time you know like yeah. if my if my stuff came out now i think it's like all been seen been seen and done right by me 10 years ago but still like um it just it wouldn't be that's not the message young guys are looking for right now they're looking for goggins right now so he's right. the one who sells a lot of copies got it got it i assume and i know some of these people who went into writing the book and they look at a David Goggins and their idea of why they want to write the book, which is, I think the very first question your team asked me, like, what are your expectations? Why are you writing the book? And I knew just from working in the PR field, 
my goal is not to sell a lot of copies of the book. I want to help a lot of people. All right. But I want to take this book and go make money, trainings, workshops, speaking engagements, things like that. Right. But I know there's people out there, right. Who come to you and are like, I'm going to make a living off selling copies of my book. How often do you have to beat that out of people? <laughs> Not that much. We really? message that very clearly. Yeah. Very clearly on our site. So we, we, we are very clear that if your goal, your only goal is to sell copies that you need to really examine that goal. Hmm. Right. And we've had people look, Goggins is the best selling book we've ever done, but we've had many books that are over a hundred thousand copies sold. So like, like, and the, which is really good money, especially if you're self-publishing. And so it's not, it's not that it's not possible. It's just that, that having that as a goal will usually cause you to write a bad book. And, the, and people who don't understand books don't understand that. So the way I explain it is, look, to, to, if, you're gonna try, if you're trying to sell a lot of copies, you're probably going to have to go for a big audience. And then if you're writing to a big audience, you're going to try to say things that appeal to a lot of people, which means you're not going to have, there's not going to be any sort of... Um, beachhead. There's going to be no sort of early adopters. There's going to be no, you're not going to write for any one person. You're writing for a group. And when you write for a group, you're writing for nobody. And that usually means the book has no audience, right? So even the books we've done that have blown up all started with a niche audience, like uh, chasing the chasing greatness we did, which was a, a story about CrossFit, right? I mean, that's, CrossFit's a pretty niche audience. It's a big niche audience now, but it's pretty niche. And, and it started in CrossFit and then it expanded beyond that, right? Or, you know, there's Startup Playbook. There's another one that sold a lot of copies that we did. Started in tech startups and then kind of expanded beyond that, right? And so if you can't identify very clearly who your audience is and why they're going to care in a niche, a broad audience almost certainly is not going to care. They just don't. This is not how it works, right? And so, like, that's that's the rub. It's not that you can't sell a lot of books. It's that there's just very few messages that appeal to lots of people. And trying to appeal to lots of people usually means sort of like appealing the lowest common denominator. You usually get no denominator. Yeah, it's vanilla, right? It's 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 mm-hmm. uh, you appeal to everyone. You appeal to no one. <laughs> exactly. Like, and dude, Goggins is the perfect example. That dude is polarizing as hell. Right. You know, like he, especially in this day and age, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think he's that controversial. He's just polarizing. Like he makes clear statements about what he believes and what he doesn't. There is no, there's no ambiguity where he stands. And most people who don't understand branding don't understand that that's actually the way to get uh, attention and audience is by make, taking a stand, not trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that that is so key. And I mean, for right or for wrong, it, or not, I don't want to say for right or for wrong. Whether you hate him or love him, there are lessons to be learned from the current president, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> and a lot of people want to reject that, but um, uh, you know, you could apply it to you know P.T. Barnum. You could apply it. I mean, hell, you you've done it. You and Ryan did some hijinks, right? That he wrote about and things like that to get attention. And you got a ton of attention. I tell people I've been on podcasts where I've, I've talked about things like privilege and I've talked about other things. I keep trying to get protested 
And I keep complaining to my wife. I'm like, no one will protest me. Like, please protest me. Cause I, I know a million protesters out my window will equal a million dollars the next day, <laughs> you know, but maybe my next, my next book, I'll, I'll try to offend people more, you know, then we can all get protested together. Yeah. Right. I, dude, I'm, I've been on that road many times. If you need help getting <laughs> negative attention. I can tell you how it's not so, it's not so hard. Like I, I wish it was that easy though. Like we, all you have to do, you really want negative attention, man, write a book about all the smart things Trump's done. Right. Cause he has like, even if you hate him, like he, I, there's so much about him. I can't stand, but right. I can also look at like things he's done, which have been brilliant. It, it, just in a marketing PR standpoint, if you wrote a book called the brilliance of Donald Trump's marketing or whatever, the brilliance of Donald Trump, how to use pre- uh, lessons from the 45th president for, to help your marketing and branding you would get a lot of attention. Most of it would be negative. Right. Absolutely. I can guarantee that, man. Yeah. Well, look at Joker, right? A lot of negative attention, most (laughs) profitable comic book, you know, blowing away Marvel and everything else. Uh So what do you, during this, this entrepreneurial journey, when did, when did you, it was book in a box and you started what, 2014, 13, 14. Yeah. 14. We changed the name like two, two, two and a half years ago to scribe. To scribe. I love the vision. I use you as an example of how to write a, a, a clear vision statement, unlocking the world's wisdom. Doesn't say anything about books. Doesn't say anything about, leaves you, leaves you uh, enough leeway. Hell, in 10 years, maybe you're doing documentaries instead of books or, or you know, whatever. It's like when Steve Jobs set the vision, people with passion can change the world for the better. The iPhone, iPad, whatever, hadn't even been invented yet. Yep. On this journey, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned between 2014 and 2019? Oh man, God, I've learned so much. What's the biggest lesson? Uh, here's one. This is, if it's not the biggest, this is in the top two or three. There are no business problems in business. There are only people problems that look like business problems. And I don't really mean that literally. Of course there are business problems, but business problems are almost always so simple if it's just a pure business problem, right? Like think about like logistics, like shipping a thing to another place. That's a pure business problem. It's really easy to solve. Like, uh, especially now, right? The world we live in. Right. But dude, like almost every business problem that I thought was a business problem was actually a people problem inside. Whether we hired the wrong person, whether we were dealing with them properly, improperly, whether our emotional um, issues were getting in the way, whether, you know, like whatever. It's, when I say people, I include myself and everyone, you know, not, uh, but yeah, like business is not, people think of like, the old way is to think of business as this thing distinct from people. It's not, it's, there's no such thing as work-life balance. Work and life are the same thing. They're not yep. the only two things, but they are in deeply integrated. You could deliver my entire coaching program. Because <laughs> uh, I always say th- th- there is no work because the, there's, there's only life, right? And how you got to align those things. And um, well, it's interesting. I mean, a key theme that you've talked about, whether it's your own journey, whether it's how you deal with authors and not how you deal with them, but how authors deal with themselves and get past the ability to put their words out there and their wisdom out there, how you scale a company and how you build the company all goes back to the E word emotions. And there's a lot of folks out there. Same thing. Yeah. Right. The people. And there's a lot of folks who they, they, they're good with the X's and O's, 
and they focus on the, the money aspect of it. Money's great. Don't get me wrong. But when you can deal with people and those emotions, it, it makes all the difference in the world, right? It is the thing. It's why JT's in charge. And I'm not because he's way better with people than I am. (laughs) JT is pretty awesome. Well, Tucker, you're awesome too for spending time with us here on the Freedom Club podcast. I really want to thank you. We'll meet each other soon. I'll be out to Austin and you guys are going to do book number two for me. So um, thank you for your help with my first book. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for all the work that you do in unlocking the world's wisdom. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. 